sometimes unconventional but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Welcome to Spooky Sundays, all our para-stalkers, para-lurkers, oh, supernatural sisters, exorcisters, what else have we got, darksiders, all the crazies just like us that are joining us for the Spooky Sunday show right here on Newcastle Live Radio. My name is Anne Rekovich and sitting next to me is the delicious... Renata Daniel. No, I meant the other person. Oh. Who, who else is here? <laughs> no, it's you. <sighs> How you doing this week, Renata? Oh, I'm doing super well, thank you. Fabulous. I always like to hear that. So what's been happening this week for you? Um, I'm still getting over jet lag, but that's fine. Yeah. That's, that's all right. Only only on minimal sleep still mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, propped, prop, my, propping my eyes open with two matchsticks. And coffee and Coca-Cola. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now you've probably noticed that this is actually a pre-record because we are currently in Melbourne. Well, actually, we're in Geelong. We will be uh, in the middle of or just starting our Frightfully Good Tarot Show at Old Geelong Jail. And thanks very much to Deb and the crew down there from Old Geelong Jail for hosting us for this wonderful weekend. But of course, we have to look after you guys. Absolutely. Got to have a show. So, Renata... Do you have a story for us? Oh, don't I have a story? Oh, oh my God. You mean there's paranormal in the news this week? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, this story uh, comes from Michigan and uh, it, or I found it in the sun where all good things appear, the UK sun. And it starts by saying haunted house, bargain, two bedroom house numbered, guess what? 666. Oh, really? On sale for just £30,000. Oh, but it's it, a bargain. it comes with a very big spooky catch. So this I actually. I say cat then. <laughs> no, this oh. actually comes from about two weeks ago. So it's really, really in the news and new. So a two bedroom house numbered 666 is a bargain at £30,000, but it comes with a very spooky catch. I feel like I've said that before. Oh. The quaint. 849-square-foot property in Pontiac, Michigan, is a DIY handyman's dream. In other words, it looks like poop. It's 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 a... Falling down. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. (laughs) With the potential to be transformed into the perfect first home. Oh, God, I know. I'd bulldoze the place. Um, And... It says, but buyers with a superstitious side will need to be aware as pictures show 666 Westbrook House may have a haunted side. I'm surprised they didn't change it to 664B. People do that or 664A because we lived in a a terrace house that was um, 11A because they didn't want to call it 13. Oh. Mm, okay. They do that in floors and elevators and things like that too. Okay. Sorry, I, I disturbed you yet again. Yes, yes. The estate agent's listing pokes fun at the house's address, a number that used to signify the devil, the antichrist and evil. Hang on, hang on. used to, as in no longer. Well, okay, go figure. Apparently, there you go. They've just solved all the problems of the world by saying, oh no, 666 doesn't mean that anymore. Thank you yeah. very much. So it states, my client reached out to me inquiring about selling one of her investment properties. <laughs> the moment, look, you can find this picture on Newcastle Live Radio uh, community page you and you will agree with me, it's a piece of shite. But it's anyway, poop. <laughs> the moment that I heard the, addre- the address, I knew that we were in for a real treat. This was going to be the listing that nightmares were made of, 666 Westbrook. Spooky pictures of inside the home appear with a bizarre green orb sitting in one of the doorways. Oh, no. There's mould in the house. Another shows a female ghoul appearing to scare the photographer while a skull sits in the bathroom mirror. The female ghoul is the most ridiculous picture you have ever seen. I might actually post that one up as well because it's just 
ridiculous. The eerie images have clearly been altered to make the home appear more frightening. Well, I agree with that. But the real catch buyers need to be wary of is people keep stealing the, the numbers. home's condition. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A massive hole in the roof is covered by a tarpaulin as pink insulation bats are sprawled across the floor with parts of the crumbled ceiling. Oh, you know what happened there? Yay. You know what that, happened? That's where Satan escaped. Yeah, he was playing cards yes. and, <laughs> and he shot up through the roof. Yep. That's, that's the excuse for every hole in the roof. Right. The entrance to the beaten down house needs a lot of work with a rough garden while a small section of land out the back is crying out for some attention. Oh, help. help me. Help, help me. Weed. <laughs> Weed. You know, Bill and Ben the flower pot <laughs> Weed. The exterior of the home could desperately do with a paint job, <laughs> while blinds and curtains will need replacing or be added to. Right. The home built in 1951 features one bathroom, has, that old. has minimal flood factor and is cl- in close proximity to three schools. Last week, a freaked out mum claimed her house is so haunted she is not too now too scared to even enter her basement alone after capturing spooky footage of a ghost emerging from a doll and chasing her cat. <laughs> Oh, I'd like to see that. Right. Kathy Callenger said that since moving into her home back in August 2018, she experienced a series of scary supernatural incidents, including objects moving on their own and shadow figures appearing in the darkness. <sighs> it comes as estate agent Lauren Matera has shared the most shocking experience she had while on the job. She said her client was renovating a home and discovered an entire graveyard in its backyard. Oh, my God. But she claimed that that's not the worst part of the story. What's the worst part? I'm scrolling. Oh. <laughs> now, we actually stayed somewhere where we had a whole cemetery in our backyard, didn't we? Where's the rest of the story? In, in Sheffield. Oh, my God. They've left me <laughs> This is what we call professionalism oh, here no. in radio. Oh, no. Seriously. Oh, no. no. I know they say it's not the worst, but we stayed at Sheffield where there was a whole cemetery in our backyard. That's true. And it was fabulous. It was. And we actually think that we may have caught an image of a ghost. Yes. And it's on our YouTube video. We'll have to pop that up for everyone to have a look at too. Yes. Oh, I've got it. Oh, I've got it. I've got thank it. God, I've filled. <gasps> You've, you've got like 30 seconds to finish it off. Oh, jeez. Go for it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. A couple of years ago, my husband and I were listing a house and working with an investor that was flipping a house, and we helped them pick all of the finishes inside the house, and everything was looking great. She added that the house was bought on site unseen, and she got to witness when, when the countertops were installed in the kitchen and when the yard work commenced. Then she recalled the moment she saw the landscapers make the shocking discovery. When we p- were pulling out the driveway, I looked over my shoulder as they were mowing the lawn and weed whacking. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like a weed whack, is there? Oh, every Saturday night in our household we have a weed whack. <laughs> this is why it helps to read through these before we go to air. <laughs> I think we're not as broken. <laughs> In our first segment, no less, we've broken up. <laughs> All right, guys. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break and go to a song while she gets herself together. And uh, we'll be back after this break. <laughs> Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata, only on Newcastle Live Radio. And welcome back to Spooky Sundays. Renata has now had a moment to gather herself over the weed whacker. <laughs> Although I probably shouldn't say it because no, don't, it's don't. going to set her off again. Uh, and needless to say, she's now going to go over into my segment. But that's okay. I'm going to let her finish her story. So oh, well, we can't have people hanging on. No, like, not, I mean, not after I, I was in desperation going, you can, you've got to finish this story. No, especially after you've dangled a weed whacker in front of us. Right, off you go. That's right. So as we remember, this house is for sale, blah, blah, blah. Six, and now six, six. Oh, now yeah, the yeah, real yeah. estate agent has come through and, and she now, said, I've got a better story yeah, about better a, story. a place. 
place that, yeah. you know. Was, cemetery in the backyard. Yeah, cemetery graveyard. in the backyard. And, mm. You know, they were pulling the, up the stuff. Oh, actually, was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they found 30 historic headstones. Now, how you miss that, I don't know. The property used to be a church property, so part of my job then became researching the zoning requirements for the preservation of a cemetery in a rural rural area, she noted. She concluded her story by revealing what she considered the worst part of the entire situation. The newest grave was added in 2011. What? So it was fresh. Oh, oh, yeah. So in the caption of the video, Lauren said she later learned that the home and surrounding land was once a large congregation and the graveyard was situated behind the church building. She noted the oldest headstones dated back to the early 1900s. She also wrote in the comments section of the video that all the gravestones are protected and stay in place. She added that she and her husband made sure all respects were carried out for each gravestone and did their best to identify the headstones that were unnamed. Some may be shocked to learn that Lauren is far from the first person to make such a discovery about a home they were involved with. For instance, a Massachusetts couple knowingly bought a funeral home to renovate and live in, but what they didn't know is that it was previously a hospital dating back to 1904. (coughs) However, they said they love the spooky history of their home and agree that it adds to its unique charm. Well, there you go. Oh, thank God we got that over and done with. <clears throat> oh, well, that's a really interesting story. How would you feel if you'd started building a house and all of a sudden found that there was bodies in the backyard? I don't know. I I wouldn't mind a bit of a graveyard in the backyard. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I'd, I'd be very um, angry who would have, whoever had sold me the place without revealing that information. Yeah, but, I mean, look, there's revealing and there's revealing. I'm going to show you a little picture right here. And you tell me whether that was something you would miss going, going into the okay, backyard. Okay, so what I'm looking at here is some very long grass, probably about knee high. But then you've got uh, headstones that are poking up out of it and crosses that are headstones. And they are, what, 1.2 metres tall? Totally <laughs> visible. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, you know... How many energy drinks did you have to have to miss seeing that in a backyard? Yeah. Anyway, that oh, was my story. Thank you very fabulous. much. Fabulous. All right. Well, um, I I actually had a, an interesting story because you know how I like to find weird and wacky stories. Oh, I do. I've got one about a bull. A bull. A bull. Okay. All right. This is a story about a steer called... Murder. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to use my sound effects, but I don't think I've got anything for that. Anyway, this is actually one from America in the old wild west. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of ghost stories from that sort of period of time. If you look at Tombstone, but there's none stranger than the tale of the steer branded murder mm. from about 1890 to 1920. Cowhand shuddered over the legend of murder the steer. Uh, so it began in 1890 in Brewster County, Texas, where the brothers Zach and Gil Spencer were rounding up Longhorn cattle. Now, the two had always been close, but tempers frayed in the hectic roundup. Suddenly, <gasps> there was a dispute between them over a handsome steer with an enormous... Spread of horns. Right. <coughs> I'd be I'm fighting glad o- you clarified that. I'd be fighting over enormous horns as well, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so they said, well, look, we could draw straws for him, Gil suggested, or better yet, our guns, Zach roared, whipping out his six gun out of his holster and shooting his younger brother dead. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Just like that. Over a big bull. Um, uh, so he died. So when he finally calmed down, Zach was very disappointed in himself. He was grief stricken and very sadly and tenderly lifted his brother's body and placed it over the back of his horse. A thoughtless cow hand asked how the steer should now be branded since that's happened. Yeah, thoughtless, thoughtless cow hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he apparently Zach sobbed <laughs> with the same kind of brand that's on my hide. Brand him murder and cut him loose, and I hope God he haunts the messer for thousands of years, thousands of years or a thousand years. Yeah, so he wants him 
uh, poor old bull. What did the bull do wrong? Absolutely nothing. Oh, so apparently the, he then went and buried his bro- brother that afternoon and killed himself. Oh, well, there you go. So the poor old steer got sent off into the messer on his own with murder written across his bum with his giant, enormous horns. horns. <laughs> uh, a few months later, the branded steer began to appear in widely separate parts of the countryside. Amazingly, many who had even a passing glimpse of him were fated to kill or to be killed. So he became an omen. A cowboy saw him and told his two best friends about it. When they accused him of lying, he shot them both. Oh, gosh. Hours after sighting the Mavericks... Somebody's had a misprint here. Hours after sighting the Maverick sister... I think that's meant to be steer. Um, uh, the, the rancher, a small rancher, killed his brother-in-law in a family argument. A runaway boy lost all desire to be a gunman when he met the steer on a lonely trail in the nearest cow town. He tried to, there's a thing called a cow town. He uh, tried to surrender his guns to the marshal. Tragically, the marshal misinterpreted the gesture, shot, shot him, him dead. <gasps> oh my gosh. I know, this, this steer's causing trouble. Um, it was believed that the steer had died and had become a ghost whose restless hooves were taking it across all borders. The physical physical description had changed too. The steer was now a bull. Well, hang on, steer. Is it a steer a young bull? I don't know. Does that mean does his it, bits does dropped? It, does it have its bits or not? Well, he now has its bits. <clears throat> uh, Lon Allen, a Montana rancher, said in 1920, the brand across him looked big and red and not healed up the way it ought to be, nor haired over at all. It looked as raw and cruel in the mid, in the moonlight as on the day they buried it into that critter. Oh. Allen had been a partner with his friend Cole Farrell in a small spread next to Faze Dow's D Down ranch <laughs> can, I, can I just read that again <coughs> Faye Dow's D Down Ranch okay. Dow wanted the land and one night called on Alan when he knew Farrell was in town he convinced he managed to convince Alan and his friend was uh, hang on what that doesn't make sense he managed to convince Alan oh, that his friend was making love to his girl so he was telling furfies crazed and jealous Alan crouched in a midnight ambush with a six-gun in his hand. At the sound of the hoofbeats on the trail, he braced himself to kill, but the thing that blundered into the moonlight wasn't Cole Farrell's horse, it was the branded bull murder. In a wild panic, Alan sent four bullets crashing into the creature's skull. The apparition looked at him sadly and drifted away. Oh. Now, Faye Dow from D Down Double D, Double, Double D Down Ranch. <laughs> double D! Hey, don't pick on Double Ds, I'm a Double D. Heard the shots and gleefully rushed to the scene. Gleefully? Oh, that's good, because they thought there was going to be a murderer take each other out. As the plot became evident, there was a shootout in which Alan was wounded and Dow died with two bullets in him. In the strange trial that followed, Alan took the stand in his own defence and in defence of the bull. It was true, he said, they'd seen the phantom and he had killed a man moments later, but his partner was riding towards the ranch, and if he hadn't been for the bull, he... He'd have killed the wrong man. This is very confusing. The jury took <coughs> 10 minutes to acquit Alan. The ghostly bull with the scarlet brand faded into history and no one ever saw him again. again. Have you got a picture of the bull? No, I don't. Can you make it up? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll draw one and put it up. Look, we've collected some stories for this show, mm-hmm. um, and Renata's found one that she tells me now that's just a wee bit serious. Yes, this is a serious one, and oh. this one this one is very well known. If you look up sites um, that tell you about haunted sites in Australia, this one often comes up, and it's called The Street With No Name, and it's found in Annadale. Oh, in Sydney? Yes. Oh, okay. So, again, this is a serious one. I'll try and behave. And um, let me read through it for you. 
an area which gives access to the arches of a railway viaduct near Jubilee Park, Annandale, has developed quite an evil reputation. Dubbed the street with no name, locals claim there is something inexplicably evil about the viaduct and surrounding park, particularly at night. Some say an eerie presence can be felt. Others tell tales of bizarre behaviour displayed by small children and dogs visiting the area at night. In the late 1960s, the body of an elderly man was found the day after he had been seen walking around the railway viaduct. A railway worker named Jock, who had gone to the rescue of an injured possum, was killed by a train on the foggy darkness the day before the line was closed permanently to rail traffic in January 1966. It has since been reopened for light rail. Locals report that on some nights they can still hear Jock walking along the railway tracks searching for animals in need of help. Oh, that's beautiful. It is. Two years after the incident, the mutilated body of a three-year-old boy was found dumped not far from the railway viaduct. Oh, no. This murder has gone unsolved. (gasps) Oh, no, the poor family. Yes. And the body of a 12-year-old boy was found along the railway embankment in 1974. The boy had died of extensive head injuries inflicted by a large rock. Seven months later and only 15 metres away, the body of another boy the same age was found. He had suffered multiple stab wounds to the chest, stomach and leg. I was going to say, let's go visit this street, but no, not now. No. In 1977, a man was arrested, tried and found guilty of the murders of the latter two boys. (coughs) A girl's body is reported to have been dumped in the car park in late 1976. Police investigations indicate she may have been the victim of Sydney's first satanic murder. What? (sighs) Oh, hang on, this is the 70s. This Mm -hmm. is when they had the satanic panic on. Mm -hmm. In the 2000s, a homeless man, Reg Malvin, ignored warnings not to sleep there and was found bludgeoned to death in the grandstand of nearby Jubilee Park. Two years later, the body of an Asian man was found floating in nearby Roselle Bay. Both murders remain unsolved. The storage rooms have been created by bricking in the arches and have been dubbed the tomb by one of the people who leases one. Night visitors to them have reported feeling anxious and queasy and sudden temperature changes uh, and the smell of fresh paint when at times no painting has been done. Ghostly footsteps have been heard coming from the exact spot that the body of the first murdered 12-year-old boy was found. How bizarre. That's an incredible amount of... Murders. Murders. And, and bit, bodies, yeah. And unsolved ones as yes. well. Yes, yes. Is it a serial killer that's out in that area? Is it? Is it? That's that's really interesting. Now, if anyone has is listening to this and knows of any information about this street with no name in Annandale, send <coughs> us some information. <coughs> send us some information because that would be really interesting. Like I said, this story about this street has been uh, in and out of um, several lists, you know, when you look at the six most haunted sites in New South Wales or the nine most haunted sites in Australia or whatever, this street always tends to appear. And it's it's not been given a name. No, no. Mm. I've even got the coordinates for it, so I won't give you that. But um, people in Sydney may know more about this and we would love to hear your stories if you do. Remember, it's called The Street With No Name and it is in Annandale. Yeah, and Annandale's quite a nice little suburb mm. too. I remember correctly, back in the days when I used to be doing auditions in Sydney with my children and myself. Mm, but yes. um, yeah, I look, those sorts of cases that are unsolved and children are involved. That's, oh, it's so sad. The, the, 
the family have had to go through the trauma, firstly, of losing a child, secondly, in a violent manner, mm-hmm. but then to have no answers, no one that they can um, point the finger at and say, this is your fault, mm-hmm. they've got no focus for their um, anger, is just the worst of the worst. Yeah, absolutely no closure. And the, the thing about it is, you know, when something violent like that occurs, it tends to really leave this stain of energy on mm. a place. You know, the, the toilets in the park across the road from where I live – because I live in um, opposite Centennial Park, and there, um, it's no longer toilets. I think they might they've made one single toilet at the end. There used to be a block where there's female one end and male the other. Mm-hmm. Somebody was murdered in those toilets. Oh, really? Yes. Um, it was I think before we moved into this area, um, but it was always reported that somebody had uh, been murdered. A lady had been murdered in the female side of the toilets. We've I've actually know of two other murders in this street. Wow. Um, I'm not sure if they're murders or whether people have died violently. Um, I remember one night we had the police come knocking on our door saying, did we know such and such a person who lived in number whatever it was on the street? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, no. Um, And then they sort of gave us a bit of a description of who it was. And we sort of do remember her. She was um, sort of a bit... um, I don't know if she had mental health issues or Mm -hmm. I was a bit on the the grog and um, she would sort of come past screaming and yelling occasionally. Um, But they weren't sure whether she had been murdered or whether she had fallen and hit in her head and then got up and there was blood all over her house. Yeah, yeah. Because the head wounds bleed so badly. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were trying to establish had anyone seen anything in this area. Yeah. And the other one uh, was a murder up the other end of the street and her name was Lily and that was quite a famous one in this street. She was um, she was a bit of a hoarder. She lived in this two-story terrace and um, I think her niece murdered her. Mm. Um, and that was a, another very sad one. So, yeah, I, I I live in Cooks Hill and I like to call it Crooks Hill mm-hmm. because there's cars getting broken into all over the place. And anyway, it's a nice area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really oh, is. It is a beautiful area. It is area. a beautiful area. Yeah. And we're back on Spooky Sundays with your hosts, Anne and Renata. And it's now my turn. I get to tell you all a weird little story about our favourite sorts of things. Now, do you know what our favourite sorts of things are, Renata? Mm, It's got to be something to do with ghost hunting, surely. Oh, maybe not quite ghost hunting. but food? (laughs) Obviously, this is way way down on the list. (laughs) I may have made a mistake here. <laughs> well, it's not sex. We know that. <laughs> no, no. We, we just had a little discussion about that in between songs. Um, and we won't go into any more details no, no, about no, no, that, no, will we? No, no, no. But remember what I bought you for Christmas? Um, you, you don't remember? That was oh, like, yes, the doll, the doll, the doll, yes. yes, yes she's sitting yes, up there looking at yes, us. Oh, she's yes. up there. Hi, gorgeous. With her white white eyes blankly staring yeah. at us. Um, <laughs> That's how I look in the morning, yeah. by the way. Well, I've I found another haunted doll. Oh. And apparently this one is way worse than Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And... The Warrens didn't get their grotty little fingers on it. Oh. Oh, it's before their time, that's why. So this now is showing that it's, it's not just haunted dolls in America and England and Australia. They're also in Japan. Mm. Oh, they're big on dolls in Japan. Mm. Now, I'm going to have a lovely time going through all of these Japanese names and butchering them. So <laughs> no, you go ahead. My apologies. I'm just going to fold my hands here and just listen. <laughs> Not just like to say, you're fogging up. Your glasses are fogging <laughs> I up. I know. I'm getting ready to strip my jumper off. I'm feeling a little warm. Anyway, let me tell you about this doll. She was bought uh, in Sapporo, mm-hmm. Sapporo mm-hmm. Um, by a 17-year-old Ekichi Suzuki. Mm-hmm. How am I doing? Doing well. Yeah, in 1918. Now, he bought it for his two-year-old sister, Okiku. Mm-hmm. Okiku. 
Jeez, a big difference. Yeah. 17 and a oh, two-year-old. Oh, there is. I didn't know. Oh. 15 years. Oh, someone got a lucky late one in life. Yeah, bet you she didn't want that happening. But <laughs> anyway, let's That was go. a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> My husband was one of those, you know. A surprise. He, he was a surprise. Very much later into life. There's, um, I think... Uh, 16 years yeah, difference. Yeah, I was a surprise. <laughs> Were you? Oh, yeah, really you're still big surprise. A, you're still a surprise. <laughs> I am. Um, anyway, so he was apparently sort of wandering around that particular area because um, of a maritime exhibition that was on, and he happened to spot this doll in a shop window, which instantly drew him in. Mm-hmm. It was calling his name, enticing him. Suzuki, <laughs> Suzuki. <laughs> right. So he he thought, oh, you know, my little sister is going to love that. So he went in and bought the figurine for his sister and used the last of his pennies or what are they in, in Japan? Ichibans? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yin? Yin? Yin. Okay. Yen. <laughs> Not yin. Yin. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm going to hell. Do you want to come on the bus with me? <laughs> Right. I'm already, I'm already on. I'm on the backs. <laughs> you've, you've got those orange batons waving me in. Oh, she's a resident. All right. So she's about forty centimeters tall, and dressed in a traditional kimono. And the doll was apparently quite beautiful. She had raven black hair, and it was cut approximately to shoulder length, in a traditional okapa hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Okapa. Her eyes were piercing coals that seemed to swallow everything <laughs> up in their gaze. The, the thing was mes- mes- mesmerizing mm-hmm. <laughs> and enchanting and sort of took your breath away. <sighs> Wanted to kill you. No, mm. anyway. So Suzuki went back home, gave the doll to his little sister, and of course the little girl, Okiku, fell in love with it and it became her most favourite toy and her bestest ever friend, mm-hmm. just like little Charlotte did with the little cat in a bed that I brought home from Covent Garden Market. Mm-hmm. It's now sleeping. Oh, is that going to become a possessed cat? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Didn't think of that. So what she's doing, uh, this little Okiku is, is giving her energy into this little doll and loving it. And we all know how love can transform, don't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it go very, very bad. But anyway. So she played with the doll every day, took it everywhere, treated it like a little sister she would talk and 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 tell it things she would feed it sleep with it and she decided to call the doll okiku mm-hmm. after herself mm-hmm. a little mini duplicate of herself mm-hmm. does this sound familiar mm-hmm. mm, what does mm. it sound like i'm testing you now who is it, Renata? Robert. Robert. Oh, geez, you're good. Her, her memory is still intact, everyone. But sadly, didn't get as much life as what Robert did. A year after she got the doll, tragedy struck, and in 1919, Okiku, the real girl, not the doll, died of yellow fever. Oh, no. Yeah, very sad. So the family lost the little girl. Oh, and they do like to um, put in very descriptive last moments. They said that Okiku died gasping for air in pain and afraid. The doll held firmly in her grasp. She was only three years old. Oh, no. Yeah. And the family wanted to bury the doll alongside uh, Okiku. But uh, due to circumstances, the government um, sort of must have said no. They prevented this last act of kindness. And the doll was never laid to rest with Okiku. Um so instead, they, they honoured her in a different way. They put the doll on the family's altar, which was apparently a common thing to do to commemorate the dead. Um, and they had a small shrine which celebrated their daughter's um, life, as short though it was. But then weirdness started to happen. One day, the family noticed that the doll's hair was getting longer. Mm-hmm. Once it was a traditional cut. Remember I said it was a shoulder yes, cut? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now it was a mangled mess of split ends reaching down past her waist. Wow. And they hadn't discovered that before, but no. never mind. Yeah. Now remember this doll's back from 1918. This is yeah. before Barbie wind up the hair yeah, so it got yeah, longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was scruffy in different colours and felt different. Um, at night, the family started to dream of Okiku, o- o- Okiku and sometimes... 
cuckoo, cuckoo. She's right. going to come and haunt me. I know it. <laughs> the doll, <laughs> the doll would uh, appear by their side or would move throughout the house in the morning. Um, then they started to have uh, lights that were flickering on and off, bangs in the houses, noises, strange voices, um, and it, they it would intensify around the time of the little girl's birthday or the day of her death. So it sounds a bit like poltergeist, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so they took the, the they went to certain shamans and spiritual leaders and asked, you know, what what was going on, and they sort of seemed to think that the daughter's soul was trapped within the doll. Mm-hmm. Not a horrible thing to say to to a family. But mm. anyway, 1938, the family moved to a different district. They'd been, they sort of got used to the fact that this doll was part of their life now and, and even to a point grown fond of the the activity because it almost felt like their daughter was still there with them, which, yeah, I can get that. I like their different perspective on this. Mm-hmm. If, if the Warrens had got hold of it, it was all demonic. In mm-hmm. this case, they're happy to have this stuff going on because it means their daughter's still close. Um, so they they thought that it was time to maybe lay a cuckoo's doll to rest and they approached the local temple of the area to take care of the doll. Now, I love the description they have here. They say that the the priests were very excited. They were skipping like schoolgirls at the prospect of having, I can't imagine that, uh, of having this uh, demonic doll or uh, possessed doll in their house. And uh, when they had it, they actually were able to say that the hair does grow and that it does move around and it does do these things. Apparently they've sent some clips off of this doll's hair and it is human child's hair. Oh. Yeah. So now she regularly gets her hair trimmed and the doll is happy and content. So uh, the doll's fame has grown and her powers of further development. She's bolder now, invading the dreams of the priests and those who come to visit her. She's stronger, stronger. Her hair is growing faster and wilder and she's even spookier. So we now have tourists uh, that are coming to to look at her, and some of the tourists are starting to get scared and have dreams of the uh, okuku, o- okiku. Um, but they're now saying that when you look into the mouth of this doll, there are little baby teeth sprouting like weeds oh, from the porcelain gums. No. Oh, oh, that's creepy. It is. I really like this one. So, um. I hope you enjoyed the story of Akuku. It's time to cross back to the other side. Welcome back to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Welcome back, everyone, to Spooky Sundays here on Newcastle Live Radio with your hosts, Anne Rukovich and Renata Daniel. Um, have I mentioned that um, we're, we, we have... Um, won second awards. You you are the second best paranormal investigator in the whole wide world. I know, right? I was first last year, but I've slipped. Mm. <laughs> but better still, we've got the second best psychic I know. here with us. I know. In the studio. Where is she? It's Renata Daniel. <gasps> yes. The paranormal awards have been announced and we scored... Second best <laughs> in both categories. That's right. Hey, but look, you know, it's the whole world. I know. There's nobody better than us apart from one person. <laughs> I think that's pretty awesome. I reckon it's pretty bloody awesome too. <laughs> and there would there would be people out there who would be um, very annoyed at this right now. Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> but we actually won two awards. Yes, we did. We did. The True Hauntings, our podcast, uh, won best uh, podcast in yes. the world. Yes, in the, in the whole wide world and universe. Yeah, and for the mo- the hotly contested spot of Australian Ambassador of the Year. It's us. It's us. It's two years running. I know. Just because there was nobody else that was nominated <laughs> this year. Shh. <laughs> Just because there was that. so much poop flung last year over that award, yeah. nobody was game enough to put their hands up. Fancy, fancy someone actually saying that we created the awards, right? Yeah. We created the awards yep. so that we could win them. Yep. I mean... Like the gall mm-hmm. of someone actually openly making that statement. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, that will go down in history. Yeah, that's bloody funny. Yeah. It's actually been organised by um, a, a paranormal network in America. Yes. So the fact that we've come second best in the world, mm-hmm. or in this case, we've won the award. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. There was no other American that won the Australian Ambassador Award. No. <laughs> <laughs> we won two hoardings. <clears throat> but I have a story for you. All right, come on. <clears throat> so this is an Australian story, Australian story. And it features remember Peter Andre? Remember, oh. remember, remember, I, ca- I, I am old remember? enough to remember when he appeared on TV with, mm-hmm. with a piano accordion. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't a remember piano a piano accordion. accordion. Yes. What? I'm sure it's there somewhere on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> Yes, piano accordion, Peter Andre. Oh, it must have been like Young Talent Time or something. I'm oh, sure. Right, I'm okay. sure. Okay. He must have been like seven or something. I don't know. That, that would be going back 40 years. That'd be about right. So Peter Andre gives us this story about a creepy Australian ghost that once shut him in a fridge. What? <laughs> shut him in a fridge. Was yes. it a running fridge or? Well, let's find out. Oh, I need to know more now. <clears throat> so the mysterious girl singer Peter Andre, that, that's all he's known for, one song. Hang on, the mysterious girl. Yeah, his song, Mysterious Girl. Oh, right, thank you. I thought you were saying it was a mysterious girl. I'm pretty sure Peter was a boy. Uh, he's now 47. Also revealed how another spirit once serenaded him on a violin. <gasps> I don't care about that. Oh. <laughs> I've got a violin. Do you want me to play it for you? Do you thought the tin whistle was bad? Wait till you hear me on a violin. No, no, no. So writing in his weekly column in New Magazine, he's got a weekly column? Oh, my God. Oh, Renata's all a a flush now. He said. going to get a weed wicker out. (laughs) I should not mention that word. (laughs) All right, Renata, you're professional. Pull yourself together. (laughs) You know, on any other radio station, we would get sacked. I'm sure they would sack us. (laughs) Come on, please. Tell me about the mysterious woman or whatever it is. Writing in his weekly column for New Magazine, he said, I've had a few spooky encounters. (laughs) My... Oh, God. All right. I'm professional. (laughs) (laughs) My dad and I once owned a beach resort near Brisbane in Australia, and one day I was in the cool room, which had a door that made a really loud noise every time you opened and closed it. (laughs) Very good. Thank you. All of a sudden I noticed the door was shut, but there was no noise, and then it wouldn't open. A few minutes later I was able to open the door and no one was there. He then went on to tell another spooky tale. (laughs) That's that's all? That was it. The door was shut and there was no noise. Oh, my God. That deserves this again. Oh, no, it didn't work. There you go. Oh, boy. Another time my brother Chris was playing his guitar downstairs. After... So bad. Oh, after a bit. Maybe maybe you need to read through these before you do them on air, no, Renata. I, I, I need to surprise myself. <laughs> All right, so he's playing his guitar downstairs. After a bit, Is, he that came he calls upstairs it now? and we heard an instrument playing downstairs. But it wasn't the guitar. It was his violin. <laughs> Weird. (laughs) But he added, despite all this, I'm still not convinced there's something else out there. Meanwhile, earlier today, the dad of four revealed he's hoping his children, Junior and Princess, won't have to to go back to school until September. Oh, you have just ruined their lives. Yeah. Oh, I can just imagine this, his poor son at the age of 24 being called Junior in school or at uni. Oh, God, he's going to cop it. And I can see that his daughter, as a corporate lawyer, going, so, Princess... (laughs) 
<laughs> it's still unclear when secondary school pupils will return to class and Peter said he'd be very happy if his son, 14, and daughter, 12, got to miss next term amid the coronavirus pandemic. Speaking again in his new magazine column, he said, there's still talk about Junior and Bista, Princess, might not be returning to school until September if – and that – Really has nothing to do with the story. No, no I was anyway. waiting for the ghost stories to come back out again. <laughs> no, no. So Peter Andre's big ghost story. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, well, there's a bit of a ghost story there. Somebody's got automatic play on their computer. So um, yes, Peter Andre's big ghost story, big phenomena was that he, um, he the door closed on his fridge and it made no noise, <gasps> and then and then. Yeah, what and was then, the other I think I missed brother, the other one. Oh, his brother was playing guitar downstairs. <laughs> I can't remember the rest of it. There's something about a violin. <laughs> oh, violin. That's right. There, that's right. Yeah, so was he calling his wanger guitar and he's saying he's playing his guitar downstairs? <laughs> oh, that was such rubbish. And I am sorry for that. But Well, you know. welcome to a Spooky Sundays where we bring you the quality stories. This is called Anne and Renata having been home for two days, <laughs> suffering from jet lag and really trying to throw together a show for you guys. So let us know if you're enjoying it. But look, we're going to head off to a song. And boy, I've picked a cracker for you for this one. I think Renata will probably yell at me once we've uh, we've come off air. And I've got for you 16 Ribbons by John English. Oh. Enjoy. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. And welcome back to Spooky Sundays with your hosts, Anne and Renata. And I think we've recovered after Peter Andre and um, his magnificent story, his retelling of how um, a fridge door closed without any noise. I'm just in awe of that story. (laughs) It's just amazing. Um, I just wonder how, what he writes every week in that magazine. Must be as thrilling as we just read it. Oh, <laughs> yep. Oh. Can well, we get a job like that? It'll be snoozing. Oh, goodness gracious me! That's just rip roaring tales. Anyway. You do find the best stories for us, Renata. I just You're want to welcome. say You're how welcome. much we appreciate the effort that you go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, you have a trash or treasure I for us this week. Yeah, I thought it was about time I dug up a trash or treasure for you. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to eBay tonight. Oh, eBay. Now, would you like a nice box? <laughs> yeah, I'd love a good box. Yeah, I know. Your uh-huh. box is a bit worn out by now, isn't yeah, it? Yep, yep. I'm, right. I'm ready for a fresh box. All right. So, look, I, I, I do have some pictures here which Renata can describe what she's looking at there. Oh, so, I'm, I'm looking at a brown box. It's mm-hmm. quite square. Mm-hmm. And it has some sort of really interesting design on it. I'm not quite sure what it is, whether it's some sort of an animal or it's some... a little bit like a, a goat skull, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's also then got uh, various horns sticking out from the side uh-huh. of it. And it looks like really a shoddy glue job. Yes, it, you can see the glue, that's, but that could be ectoplasm that's dripping oh, down the oh, side. It could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's gone to a lot of effort to stencil that onto that box. Yes, yes. Um, and it looks actually a little bit like that squid man that was in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of what it looks like. It's probably, what, about 30 centimetres by 30 centimetres? Yeah. Um, I can see more really rubbish gluing on the sides. Yep. And the bottom bit looks like it's been put on a hot plate. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but the the hot plate, you know, when you put something on and it's a bit hot and it burns a yes. little bit. Yes. So it's, it's sort of got this imprint which sort of looks like um, – Oh, I don't know. Satan. Oh, yes, a, a like horned a, animal. It's a bit like a devil. Uh-huh. Um, and you can see some misshapen eye sockets and there's two horns sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. So this, this has got to be a cracker of a story. Um, it's It was on eBay when I researched this one. It was going for $181.50 US, which uh, at that stage was about 250 Australian dollars. Bargain. Mm-hmm. Let's find out what the box is about. Okay. This auction is for a haunted Dibbuk box. Right. 
Those Dibble boxes are popular, aren't they? They are. People Who a, knew that there were so many? All you needed was a glue gun. No, but this is a special one. Of course it it's is. It's not just an ordinary one. No. I acquired this box from relatives of a priest who had recently passed away in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You're having deja vu about this story? Yeah. I'm sure there was another box we looked at that belonged to a priest. Yes. Mm. Mm. Um, so he, apparently he was 92 and he spent the last 10 years or so in a nursing home and suffered from Alzheimer's disease. Oh. It's a cruel, horrible disease. It is, it is. Uh, and I'm not being funny about that. That is a horrible disease. According to his relatives, no matter how bad his condition was, he always asked if his box was still locked away in a safe place. Of course, he was referring to the Dibbuk <laughs> box, yeah. not just a random box. Even, um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Don't you be laughing about the priest's box. Um, His siblings had promised to keep the box locked away. But you know what they're like when they're, as soon as you die, what do they do? What do the relatives do? Yeah, they just opened it up and got the box out and had a look at it and went, oh, I might sell this on eBay. Yeah. So um, they... Once he, once he kicked the bucket, um, they were unable to manage anymore. So their grown-up children didn't quite honour his wishes. Well, anyway, a niece who was close to him told me that while with the church, her favourite uncle, the priest, often performed Catholic rituals for dealing with unclean spirits. Oh, oh dear. They're the ones that need to go and have a bath because they're a bit smelly. Mm. 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 He often travelled great distances to perform these tasks as there weren't many priests trained in the craft at the time. The case involving this particular Dibbuk box was that of a 13-year-old kid who was possessed by a very powerful demon. Now, is there a 13-year-old kid in this box? I hope not. But wasn't this the, the basis of the Exorcist movie? Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. it was a 13-year-old boy that was possessed. Yeah. Um, anyway, just let me continue on. There's not a lot more to tell, but it's gripping. A nun who often assisted the priest invited the demonic spirit into her body out of fear the child wouldn't survive much longer during the exorcism. The demon entered her body but was eventually exorcised by the priest. So somehow or other, that has something to do with that box. Mm-hmm. Now... um. It just says, if you make an offer on this item, be be prepared to pay within 48 hours. Um, okay. Now, whoever wrote this um, came too soon <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't kind of add anything to what happened to the spirit. I mean, did the spirit then be go into this Dibbuk box? Um, is it still in the nun? Um, is the nun in the Dibbuk, Dibbuk <laughs> box? <laughs> What's, we want to know. It's a cliffhanger. Who's in the dimple box? <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. I know. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's still there on eBay. I'm going to quickly cut and paste it. No, it looks like it's been sold. Somebody's bought it. Oh. So they, they must have got um, confused partway through and didn't finish their story. No. No. But somebody must have snapped it up. But I'd say what it was is that the essence of the nun has been trapped in that dibble box. Either that or he's murdered her and, and burnt her and her ashes are in there. Yes. Let's go with that. That sounds like a yeah. good story. Yeah. So, look, what the, what this segment is about is the amazing things that you can buy on eBay and Etsy. Mm-hmm. And people do. People do. They buy them all the time. Yep. Now, we bought a haunted doll, didn't we? We did. Janet. Janet. She's sitting up on a shelf looking at us right now. Mm-hmm. And we love her to death. She, she thinks she's wonderful. Hi, Janet. So um, 
Do you reckon this is a truly haunted item, Renata? No, not with that glue job. No, you reckon no. that you needed a bit more than a glue gun to tie that one down? Yes, yes, I, yes. But the, the story is very familiar mm-hmm. to one that was told earlier. Mm-hmm. And they could have cut and pasted. Yeah, and I remember that one had uh, a chain around it and it had a little bell on it. Yeah. Well, see, that's more credible. Whoever's done that has gone to a little bit more effort. Yes, Probably got a better price for yeah, it too. Absolutely. Um, one of these days we'll buy one of these boxes, but not for that price. No, no. Or we'll make our own. <laughs> hey, have you got a glue gun? I do. <gasps> Let's go for it. We can be in business, Renata. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata, only on Newcastle Live Radio. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Spooky Sundays, and we are here in the studio with the delightful, delicious, nut-eating, cheese-chomping, and glue-vine-sipping... Cinnamon-blowing. Cue music. Oh. <laughs> Ms. Christie from Spells and Spirits. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I can't tell you how magical I feel with that little intro. I, I just love it. I, I just know. love it. We're going to have to record it and bring it into yeah. the studio. Yeah. We'll have to talk to Bonnie about that. Okay. Yeah. So tonight, we're going to talk about your chakras. Chakras. Your chakras. Our chakras. We're going to, chakras. Are, we, are we going to align our chakras? I'm going to unblock your chakras oh, tonight. Okay. Or do we need to be near a toilet when we do this? We're not doing the brown chakra tonight. Oh, no, we're not. Okay. So we, we can bypass the brown chakra. That's okay. fine All with right. that doing that. So I guess... Um, most commonly, people are like, oh, what the hell is a chakra anyway? True. With that. So I guess the best way to explain it is, explain it, explain it, is as energy flows through the body, they pass through seven spiralling pools of energy. And then as life happens and, you know, happens, um, the flow can get blocked. And we need to unblock um like, like the sewer pipe in my backyard. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. like when you've had too much cheese. You, yeah. <laughs> you need to poke it with a stick. Yeah, so you need to unblock it too. So the I'm not energy it with a stick. So they allow the energy to flow freely. So what actually blocks our chakras is emotions. Oh. oh, oh we're going there. Oh no, this this could get get the tissue box peoples. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going that far. You no, can book I'm, in to see me and we can go that far. But oh, you, I didn't realise yes. you offered full service. I do. It's a, it is a full service job. I don't I, do this for free, okay. you know. Is that why you need the tissues? <laughs> <laughs> Toasted cheese sandwich. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. So yep. the root chakra. So our root chakra is located at the base of our spine and our root chakra is all about feelings of safety, security, feeling guided, knowing that we belong And it is actually blocked by fear. So to unblock our root chakra, we need to envision and we actually need to surrender what our fears are. So if you look at the words spelling of fear, F-E-A-R, we can look at it as being false evidence appearing real. So while there is fear that, um, you know, does threaten our physical safety, 99.9% of fear is actually created in our brain. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. We, we create mountains out of molehills. Yeah. So and things that haven't even happened or might not happen, but we, we fear them anyway. That's right. And that's how we create those things. And that's why, we, like I said, the root chakra is all about our safety and security and feeling grounded and, um, and belonging. So when we have those fearful thoughts, then that, that threatens our, our safety with that. So um, a good crystal to use um, if you're working with your root chakra is black tourmaline. I love black tourmaline. It's one of my favourites. Me too. And um, I've got black tourmaline pretty much gridded throughout my house. I'd hate to move out and then see how many bits of black tourmaline are thrown (laughs) in every corner behind every cupboard. It's just everywhere. So moving up from our root chakra, we're moving to our sacral chakra. So this is located just underneath your belly button. And this is actually our centre of pleasure and creativity. So I guess we can call it our seat of sexuality as well. And our sacral chakra is blocked by guilt. Uh-oh. Mm. Uh-oh. So this is where, you know, the bottom three chakras are very heavy, very murky, very murky place to be. So if there's not much action in the bedroom, you're feeling guilty? Well, I guess, you know, when we look at guilt, we can also look at, you know, what it is, what it is that you blame yourself for. 
Yeah. Okay, so we need to release blame and guilt within yourself and you need to forgive yourself. That's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Look, we always think that, you know, it's easy easy to, you know, I guess unburden ourselves and unburden other people and forgive them for things that we've done. But when I guess it's guilt and blame within ourselves, it's a lot deeper work that we need to work with. It reminds me of the card that we had with um, our Oracle deck that says hurt is wasted energy to heal, uh, realise your part in it. Yeah. Because you do have a part in it and that's that's your guilt and everything mm. and you're hanging on to it. So, yeah, anyway. Sorry. And again, that guilt, those guilty feelings we feel – um, are probably things that happened in childhood and most likely no one actually even remembers it except for you. And they're the things that you're holding on to and they're holding you back. So a good crystal to work with with the sacral chakra is carnelian and mm. I have some beautiful carnelian flames on the website at the moment. So beautiful to work with that crystal with your sacral chakra. So the next one is the solar plexus chakra. So this is located in the middle and at the top of your rib cage. And this is all about your willpower. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is the feelings of self-confidence, of deservedness, of value, knowing you're enough, all of those um, self-empowering sort of like things. And this chakra is actually blocked by the emotion of shame. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, you need to envision what you're in sh- ashamed of. Um, or what disappointments you have within yourself. And part of that is accepting and and loving all parts of who you are. So um, again, shame's a really low vibration that we really need to work through our body and not hold on to those feelings. And again, it will be one of those childhood things that actually no one really remembers except for you and holding you back. So a good crystal for the solar plexus chakra is citrine. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you have those feelings, you know, you feel your solar plexus point and just imagine it like a, the sun shining out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your power, you know, shoulders back and really being empowered by who you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. The next one is our heart chakra. Now the heart chakra is the bridge between our physical chakras. So the bottom three we just did and our top three chakras. So our heart chakra, of course, resonates with love and is blocked by grief. Um, So really you need to look at and let out all of your grief and and allow yourself to feel it. So while there may be feelings of loss, there are also more feelings of love. So this energy is actually our natural state of being. So love is unconditional and as everything is connected, um, you know, we need to know that we are never alone. So a good crystal to use for the heart chakra is rose quartz. (coughs) So Mm -hmm. that's part one. Yeah. No, I'm thinking we're going to have to split this up into two parts. Part two. So next next week we'll do part two, which is, I guess, more spiritual um, being the the top three chakras, Mm -hmm. which are our spiritual ones. Mm So when you're looking at, just before we finish up, when you're looking at self-healing, um, it's really important to deal with uh, the bottom three, really, uh, to be able to get you into a zone where you can work with the upper ones. It definitely is, and it is a process. So you can't unblock, you need to unblock fear before you can unblock guilt, before you can do shame, before you can do grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no point jumping straight in and going, look, I'm just going to deal with grief today mm-hmm. because you can't, like, the flow of energy, So you can't unblock a pool in the middle and think it's going to flow when the other three are jammed up behind Mm -hmm. it um, with that. So the work that I do at the Wellness Path at Nelson Bay, I do do a quantum chakra healing session there. It's an hour and a half um, where we do work through each of those chakras and you get a beautiful relaxation massage as well. Oh, very nice. Sounds perfect. And not only that, they can also find you at spellsandspirits.com.au, I believe. Is that right? Yes, it is. Oh, I got it right. Thank you so much, Christy. We will be back next week with the rest of the chakras. And welcome back for our final few minutes of the show. We hope you've enjoyed some of these stories. They have been hilarious and we've also had a serious one or two 
Um, I think that's rounded it off pretty well. Yeah, we're going to be um, sort of into the throes of the old Geelong jail investigation right at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and tomorrow we're going to be running some workshops. We're going to be doing Ghost Hunting 101 mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing Psychic Development mm-hmm. and then we're going to finish off with our tarot show. So we're looking forward to all of those people uh, meeting you all and, uh, you know, how we deliver our information for those who've done our online courses before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always a laugh or two in there, but we're very serious about the actual uh, information. That's true. Now, I'm going to pull a card for you guys to give you a bit of guidance for the rest of the week. I think that's a really the, good for idea. The, the start of the next week. Yes. Um, normally, it's Renata that pulls the, the card. She can go and grab one from the tarot deck if she wants to. No, let's let's go with our cards, okay, our we'll... special cards. And, and look, you may not know that we've actually designed and created and channeled um, a deck of cards called uh, the Frightfully Good, Naughty and Nice Oracle Deck. Um, and if you know us at all, uh, you will know that this is, <coughs> Plain good information. None of that fluffy stuff. N- no, no, none. No, no, no fluffy no, stuff. No, we get straight to the point. No fluffy bunnies here. Um, so um, I want you to hold a thought in your head. So we might we might both do this. We're going to have cards one, two, and three. So ask your question, guys, in your head. What is it, the burning knowledge you need to know? Um, I can't give you a lot of numbers, but, you know, you might want some guidance in your career or um, study or something like that. So we've got cards one, two, and three, and we're going to give you our interpretation. So pick your number. Here's number one. It's okay sometimes to want to head back to bed and hide under the covers. Take time out and listen to your heart. Now, look, this this sort of to me means that if if you're having a bit of a tough time at the moment, don't be too hard on yourself. It's okay to go, you know what, I'm having a bad time. I need to have a little bit of self-love, self-care. Let's just snuggle under those dunas and hide away from the world just a little bit longer and listen to what your heart needs. Now, what do you want to add to that, Renata? No, I, th- I think you've nailed it. Oh, good on yeah, you. Yeah, I think you've nailed I'm it. I'm a professional. All right, number two. Um, number two card, if you've chosen that one. Now, you've got to make a decision. Are you going to follow your head or are you going to listen to your heart because you're at war with each other at the moment? You, your head is listing off logically everything that needs to happen, uh, but then your heart is going, but that's not what I want to do. That's not what's going to make me happy. Mm. So stop tearing yourself to pieces. Choose one and stick to it. So you've either got to go with logic or you've got to go with your heart and be happy with that decision. Anything mm. you want to add? Mm. Yeah, that's a hard one because sometimes passion, especially when it's not followed up, you know, you can live with regret for the rest of your life. Oh, speaking of passion, I haven't seen my husband for about six weeks. Anyway, um, might be home tonight. Mm. That's too much information. <laughs> Card number three. <laughs> Card number three, throw your head back, spit into the wind and show them what you've got. This is not the time to hide your light under your bushel. This is time for you to stand up for yourself. If you have an opinion, if you have an idea and you know it's a really good one, don't hide. Stand up and say, look, guys, I've I've got this great idea. And then stick your chest out and tell them proudly because they might be surprised that you might have that little bit of information that just helps people get across the line. Absolutely. Sometimes we're so scared to say what is really on our minds yeah. and, and it may be something absolutely brilliant, but we've talked ourselves out of it. Yep. So with that gorgeous bit of information for you to step into Monday tomorrow, we are going to leave you for tonight. But we will be back next week. Whilst we are in Norfolk Island, we have got some more stories and shenanigans lined up for you guys. Thank you for joining us this evening. Love yous all. See yous on the dark side. And remember, stay spooky. Bye. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghosts 
ridiculous stories and the unexplainable, sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.